Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Guys, 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 double rainbows. We have a double recording going on right now. That's right. Both myself and my mysterious guest who I will introduce to you, we are both recording. Why? Because this this is like a collision of galaxies right now. And so this is going to be the episode to check out. I can't wait to introduce you to my guest today. He is full of energy. He's full of wisdom. He is one of those names in the in the podcasting community when you bring that up, it's like Boom. That's the guy. That's the person we need to talk to. I can't re- believe I'm talking to him now. He's invented many, many things, including the relationship flywheel. It's all about podcasting. We're going to talk about it. He's been named top 20 under 40, not even 40 under 40. Screw that. Let's go. Let's go 20 under 40. He has many a podcast with many episodes, host of the B2B Community Builder Show, 219 plus episodes, host of Not Your Average Investor, 270 episodes. Plus, founder of Be the Stage Live, Pablo Gonzalez. Welcome, sir. Casey, I've never been called mysterious. I really like that. I think I'm going to call myself Pablo El Misterioso Gonzalez. Thank yes, you, man. I'm, pu- yes. I'm, I'm pumped to be here, man. Like I said right before we hit record, I we don't know each other much yet, but I have a strange feeling I'm dying to be your friend right now, bro. Yeah, you know, in this getting all meta on those listening, usually we do a, a prep call. Schedules didn't work out, so we thought, well, we could just do it, or we could just hit record. So we just thought, you know what, let's hit record. And sometimes you can do that with really good guests, right? With people who know what they're ready to talk about, sure. their full energy, they can do it, fellow podcasters, you can just go. Other the untrained people, you got to do a prep call. What's your thought on that? I think uh, repetition creates greatness, man. You know, if you've if you've done this, I... I feel like podcasting, online content creation is this generation's public speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you were if you're a parent uh, in the in the 60s and your child had a propensity to be a great orator, you'd be real proud about it, right? So, I think parents today, if you see if you see your kid like having this like penchant for like making YouTube videos or reels or whatever, I I think lean into it cuz it's it's done nothing but open doors for me and be able to create relationships coming from a kid that showed a propensity to drama when I was young, coming from a Hispanic family, not really smiled upon, right? My parents just wanted me to be a, an engineer or a doctor or something like that. Yeah. So I never really got to do a lot of drama stuff, but the older I get, the more that my pension for theatricality actually works for business, which is great. Hell yeah. And now you can play a doctor on a podcast and then <laughs> All good. As long as you have True a little story. Legal disclaimer, nothing I'm about to say should it all affect your health. <laughs> Talk to your own doctor. It's true. It's okay. I have a podcast. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's your source? It's not Wikipedia anymore. No, it's the podcast I just heard. Exactly. Uh, well, dude, let me start the show off with the question we ask everyone, and that is to pull back the curtain for us on your show's and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast. You see, I don't know if I don't know if this is specific to an interview podcast, but my my secret sauce all along has been how do I create proximity with the listener, 
right? Like how do I create scale around what I'm doing so that the relationship building that I'm doing goes from one to one to one to few to one to many as much as possible. And for that is the live show. The idea that every time that I do a show on Mondays or um, my clients that subscribe this strategy that either do it weekly or every other week or once a month, every time you do a live show, you have the opportunity to do what we're doing right now, right? Make a buddy. Like I, I really do believe that co-creation of content is the new golf. So like we're getting to know each other. We're out there on a limb together. It's awesome. We're going to be friends forever. But if like two or three more people were in the audience listening to this right now, that would two or three X our relationship building capabilities. And you know, that, that is, I've learned as a person that's been obsessed with networking my whole life, the more people that you get to be in front of, the more people that have real access to you, the more people that understand you, the better that you're going to end up doing. And by doing that, you create those opportunities and you also create a more rapid feedback loop, right? Every single time you're going to do a live show, when you invite people, you get the feedback of how many people opened that invite, how many people showed up, who showed up, what questions did they ask? And being able to like compound that time over time, right? Repetition and getting better and better at identifying what works better and how to tweak it makes makes the ball roll faster and faster um, at a different velocity than the usual podcast velocity, which quite frankly, you know, like most podcasters, when I first started, I wasn't doing it live. It was really hard to really gain any insights out of the first 50, 60 episodes I sure. did because I was just kind of like throwing it out into the ether and waiting for a signal, right? So to me, the this idea of allowing for faster insights and allowing for proximity of meeting with people and getting letting them be a part of it and letting them feel like they own a little piece of the stage when they show up um, is has been the secret to my success. Awesome. I love this. So many things to dive into. I'd love to learn more about the the live show. I, I love webinars and I love having people come on and you know now essentially it's a live show and and I love interacting with those people. Yeah. But I kind of wonder, do you lose something with your guest one on one if you have other people like chiming in? Like I understand like people will be listening to this. The idea of yeah. people chiming in right now, do I lose focus on you at all or how do you how do you rectify that? That can happen. Right. Like if you, it's the same as if you're at a networking event and you are having a conversation with somebody that keeps looking around the room to see who else they can talk to. You don't want to be that person. Right. But you've also been at a networking event and I'm texting, I'm texting my wife while I'm on the yeah. podcast with you. Yeah. Hey, what'd yeah. you say? Hey, that was a good point. Whatever that was. <laughs> That's cool. Oh, over there, that dude's the guy I want to talk about. Right. So like you don't want to make people feel like that, but you've also been to a networking event and been a part of a conversation where there's two other people that are part of it and it becomes a really cool dynamic. Right. True. So, it's it's a matter of of refining those skills. So yeah, you can you can lose a little bit of focus on people, but if you learn to do it correctly, then you know you really start to drive multiple vectors of relationship at once. Right? We describe it as four vectors of relationship: the one between you and your guest. That's the thing that we're doing right now, right? Yeah. Um, the one between you and the audience. That's you. You know, getting relationships with them acknowledging them when they show up, having a roll call, giving them nicknames, right? Like making them feel like they're they're part of the thing. It's a little bit of like wacky AM DJ stuff. And then when they're brave enough to be part of the conversation, if they're if they're brave enough to 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 decide that they want to like put a little foot on that stage, yeah. adding as much context as you can to the question that they ask when you're giving it to the guest does two things. One, it makes them feel like they're a part of it. They feel like they're getting a warm introduction to this person that they showed up to to listen to. And two, it's 
a really big favor for the guest, right? Because the more context you give them, the better answer that they can give, the better that they look, the more useful that they are, the better that they feel, right? And then there's the fourth vector of driving relationships of people that are inside the chat, right? Like if you can ritualize this thing and start getting the same people showing up and and that starting to grow, man, then, you, then you're not just building a show, you're building a community. And to me, the the community play is really what I got into this game for, right? Like I think community is the ultimate strategy uh, for a business. And it's the one thing that as, as the world becomes completely commoditized in, you know, demand and supply and focus and, you know, Amazon takes over everything and Uber takes over everything and Zillow takes over, right? Like all these different yeah. things, the small, the smaller business, the ultimate moat you can build is the people that know you and are willing to vouch for you. That's how you avoid becoming a commodity. Man, so much, so much to get to. Yes. I want to get into community. Uh, let me go back to one of the vectors and Please. you mentioned that the way that you can avoid um, losing that relationship and that power with your guest is doing it correctly with your audience. You need, I think you just actually rattle off just a couple things you can do. Could you talk a little bit more about how you do live correctly? Yeah. Um, it's, it's being conscious of those things, right? Like, so, so, so doing live correctly to me is number one, most of the time when I talk about those four vectors, people might have thought of two of them, right? Like they're like, Oh, me and the guest, me and the audience. Right. But like, yeah. once you start, once you start layering in the other two vectors, that's doing live correctly, right? Like understanding that there is inherent value to your guest also having proximity to the audience and really pushing for that. And that being your number one goal, um, you know, that is that is a big deal, right? And the, the number one goal of getting people to become friends with each other in the chat, that's a big, big deal. What I tell people when I'm onboarding them for a live show, here's the other thing. Since I do all my show lives, live, um, I've hosted people that have been on tons of podcasts. And a lot of the time they're like, man, this is the first time I'm doing something live. This is cool. You yeah. know, like it it's it's another relationship builder as well, right? So they they get that they're doing something different and innovative. And vulnerability drives connection, right? So if you're both out there on the plank, it drives another level of connection with you and them, right? So that's one thing. And doing it, doing it live the right way to do it. I tell everybody when I'm onboarding them, I'm like, listen, man, or lady. My number one goal here is that we have a conversation. And when you're done with this conversation, you're going to be so pumped up about how good you sounded and how smart I made you look and how, you know, how, how great you felt about it, that you're going to use this conversation to introduce yourself to somebody else. Right. And as long as you're in that headspace of like, I'm, I am here to make you look good in front of me, in front of these people, and just like set you up to win. That's the right way to do it, right? That's really no different than podcasting though, right? Yeah. And you state that and you're, you're just putting it out to them. You're letting them know, this is my goal. This is what I'm marching to. I'm sure that sounds great for them, but also they can be relieved. This is not a trick you show. Yes. This is not, also not a me, me, me show, right? It, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're not coming on here for a long form testimonial about me, <laughs> uh, but you're digging at something real, right? Yeah. Um, the the right way to do it is to make them feel relaxed, relaxed. <laughs> right? Make them yeah. make them feel like you got this, and that this thing is about them, and that somebody's there in their corner for mm. this for this vulnerable experience. And let's go do it together, buddy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Do you do you then edit it up and you put it out and you repurpose it elsewhere? But yeah, live yeah, first. Yeah. Okay, so you you, yeah, you have we, it multiple different directions. 
Correct. Yeah, we'll we'll take that. We'll take that webinar, and next week it comes out as podcast, and it comes out as a uh, YouTube, sure. right? Like we'll put in the we'll YouTubeize it, and we'll podcastize it, and we'll release it across those channels, and then we'll pull out the you know four to six best little moments that we turn into one of these like micro videos, and we'll um, pull out the best things they said and create quote cards, and we will give them suggestions for an email to write about it if they want to write a blog about it. Um, but we go into we go into the pre-production of all this stuff, thinking about not what questions we're going to ask. We're thinking about what are the micro content pieces mm. that are going to be hook points towards this thing, right? Like trying to trying to already visualize. You know, the best thing that could come out of this is uh, a two minute back and forth of Casey and I talking about how podcasting is the ultimate B2B strategy here. And there's many ways to skin the cat. And all you got to just go do is find somebody, right? Like that can help you do it. So you can just show up and look good, right? Like having that in the forefront so that we can poke around that subject until you put that person. Sometimes the first time you ask a question, they don't give the best answer. But if you know that you're trying to get something out of that, um, that's going to serve them, then you can echo it back to them, right? Like, oh, so I'm hearing uh, that is this and this, is that right? And then normally when they're like, yes, and then they get to that piece. That's really, mm. really good, right? So like making sure that you have an idea for that on the way in um, is generally is generally counterintuitive for people. They're usually thinking, what question am I going to ask? Right. Not what is the thing that I'm trying to get them to say that's going to make them feel real good about it? Yeah, almost like Jeopardy. You, what, What's the answer I want to get as opposed to what's the question? Yeah, uh, well that takes some real effort though to think about and be intentional about what you want to hear from each and every guest. You know, that it kind of runs in the face of the, let me just let me just interview a thousand people. It's like, oh, let me interview this one person and just really maximize my time with them. How do you do that? Do you spend a lot of time prepping for each show? Um, we don't we don't spend a lot of time prepping for each show. We spend a lot of time figuring out the strategy for a show that's actually going to lead to lead to revenue. Okay. Right? Like you you said it yourself. You got you've got two shows. This one is this one is like your passion project, right? Yeah. I had a passion project. I went out and interviewed everybody possible because podcasting is the ultimate networking tool, yeah. right? But if you want this thing to lead to business results, then on the front end, you got to be thinking about three things. What is interesting to the people that you want to serve? What will make them trust you? And what will make them think that it's for them, right? Mm. And, if you start, and if you start with that framework and then you dole out, you know, what we like to do is create four content lanes under that framework. Two, what's interesting to people, lanes. One, what uh, what makes them trust me? And one, is this for me, lane, right? And we categorize that. And then underneath those lanes, we'll put in a bunch of topics that fit, right? And once we understand that these are the topics that people find interesting and will we'll make them trust us and whatever, then we create a schedule of those topics so that we are, you know, doing uh, 50% interesting 25% trust me, 25% uh, for me, right? Which is essentially contextualizing to their to their real life scenario. And then all you got to do is be like, who would they like to hear about this from, right? So like, once you're there, you know, you're already going into a show being like, this person, we chose them because this is the thing that we're trying to drive at. Um, can we, and if it's, and it's usually a, is this interesting thing for me? So then all you got to think about is like, okay, cool. So like, this is what's interesting to people. So what are a couple different, 
different things that are that make it particularly interesting? How can we contextualize that interest so that they know it's for them? And mm-hmm. where can I also contribute in this whole piece of the pie? Is it validity? Is it adding nuisance n- nuance to it? Right? Like, where is my specialty fit into this thing where it's a value add? Um, and it kind of it kind of does the work for themselves if you put in the work up front. Put in the work up front and. In my mind, I'm seeing it's like a it's like a marketing plan coming to it's a content plan. It's a, it's a strategy. You're you're thinking about the kind of outcomes you want from the from the show, and then you're deliberately going after it. I just had to think that you know if you've got those many thoughts all laid out, when you go to actually invite some of the people on the show, and you're like, I want you for this reason. It's not like this is some secret pitch. Like I actually need you. You're a part of our equation. You're yeah. gonna help us teach these people who you probably want to talk to too, this and this and this, which I know you love talking about. Do you want to be on the show? And they're like, sign me up. You know, I'll be there tomorrow. Yeah. Um, You got to make, when it comes to reaching out to people uh, or relationship building, the more clear you make the value to the person that you're talking to, the better it's going to go for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So whether that is how clear the value is to the guest coming on the show how clear the value is to the audience showing up, you know, how clear the value of your services to your client, um, right. the better it's going to go for you. Right. So uh, that's, that's foundationally what I've, why I've reverse engineered into this kind of like career profession, whatever you want to call it. Sure. It's because I've always been obsessed with making friends with as many people as I can. Right. At some point, I realized that the value in being my friend isn't that I'm the coolest guy in the room. It's that I can make you feel like the coolest guy in the room. Mm. And uh, from there on out, I've just completely leaned into that. Right. So most people are most people are so busy thinking about like what's in it for them that they don't even think about anything else. And if you can and if you can relieve that burden from their like decision making criteria, it's like this is what's in it for you. People are like, oh, okay, cool, I'm in. <laughs> you know. Now that could sound salesy, right? Um, but if it's if it's real and it. And, and if you've listened to that, or you know that this is valuable to them. That hopefully it doesn't sound like you're just another LinkedIn spammer. Correct. I, listen, man, it's most people don't find a lot of value in, hey, this is what's in it for you, making me look good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you you got to make it clear why it's what's in it for them, right? Like, man, yeah. if I if if I can, I'm not I'm a pretty mediocre salesperson, man. So like, I have just always focused on the offer much more than the ask because I suck at asking, right? So if I can if I can offer you something that I don't need to talk you into, that you're like, yeah, I, I want to enroll into this, uh, um, then uh, then things go well. If I need to convince you to do something, um, it's generally not a great experience, right? I- that totally makes sense because the more you emphasis you put on ask and and less on offer, the more terrible it sounds and the more it's a, <laughs> probably a pass or a block or a you know ignore an archive one of those things. Yeah, uh, I wanted to take you you know one final thing on the live because I know we could talk live all day. Sure. Um, talk to me about people when they're first working with you or they're first launching these things. Like, what if no one shows up? I got people got to be wondering about that. What if? What if I have my guests and it's worse? Like if it's just my thing and no one shows up, my webinar and like my friend shows yeah. up, okay. But if it's like a live show and there's this really impressive, you know, I've got Pablo on here and yeah, my mom shows up, you know, and uh, talk to me about that. that I, 
people ask that all the time, right? Bet, so great, yeah. great question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell them the same thing I told you. The or not great day. question because they ask that all the time. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate you letting me explain that. I, I explained it kind of the same way I started this conversation, right? Like your backup plan is that you're doing a podcast with somebody, <laughs> right? And that's generally a good use of your time. Now, if two people show up, you just two x the amount of time you spent building relationships with people, right? So like whether it's six, 16 or 60 people that show up, anybody showing up adds a little bit of extra nuance and a little bit of extra value to the equation, right? Like I, I find that it's, people talk about how like content is king and context is queen. Mm. Anybody, anybody that's part of the conversation that isn't already you and I that already have like this content and context in our head that can add a special little angle to like recontextualize it in some way is a value is a value add, right? So um, the answer to the other thing that you asked is like, what if I got this huge guest coming on and this and that? It's it's a setting the expectations with them, and b you know if if you don't feel comfortable telling them, hey man, I do this live, somebody might not you know nobody might show up, and then we're just doing a podcast. You you would you still be down with that? And they generally are. Um, but if you're not comfortable with that, then, you know, wait till, wait till you get your feet under you before you, you, you try to bring that whale in. But the first person that I really understood this idea of outsourcing context from was Gary V. Yeah. Um, you know, like you, you see, Casey, I, I reversed this whole, this whole like strategy. I'm, I'm not a, a trained marketer or, uh, have a marketing degree or have ever held the job that said marketing behind it in any way. Wow. Right. For, for me, I was in construction for 15 years. When I was 29, I decided to, I was in Southern California running operations for a Fortune 500 company. I was running Orange County, moved back in 2009 to Miami to start a green building consulting company. And at that point, I decided to, to do things different, right? Like not come back to Miami and just be like, same old Miami. And one of the opportunities was to start a young professionals group for Habitat for Humanity, right? Cool. And um, raise my hand, and that that put me on this like whole parallel path of of formation. And the, the big takeaway from there was that the way that we formed the young professionals group was a would be like, hey man, anybody that you meet here is going to be care at least a little bit about something other than themselves. Which yeah. in Miami, that's not the norm. And um, and when we host meetings. We're hosting them in the boardroom of one of the board of directors. So we get to talk to them about their career yeah. and find out about them. And then we go and then we go plan a and then we go plan a happy hour or a volunteer event or whatever. Right. And that idea of like, I can leverage eight people to go get into the boardroom of somebody that I want to be like when I grow up yeah. is just the thing that I have repeated and repeated. Right. It went from like doing it for habitat to doing it for like four other charities to then using those four charities audiences to start hosting events for my company. Um, and in 2017 at a conference, somebody turned me on to the Gary V experience. And I'm like, looking at this dude, I'm like, this dude's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's just recording it. And yeah. now it goes further than just Miami. Right? right. Right. So, so, so that to me was key. And, and I immediately realized that, Oh, wait a minute. If Gary V is hosting, is doing a keynote somewhere, I can go there. He's going to open it up to Q&A. And if I ask a smart enough question, I'm going to come out on, on on Gary's podcast or his Instagram channel or whatever. 
That's really valuable to me. And oh, by the way, he has the same answer for everything. The difference is who asks it and how they ask it. So the moment that I see somebody that looks like me ask it or somebody that sounds like me ask it, I believe it more is very, very real, right? So why not create content this way? Why not open it up to people to outsourcing the context for people to make your answers more? Is it for me? Fascinating. I, I didn't realize same question, just a different person asking it. Uh, it well, same answer with uh, a sorry. different person asking, right? Same like, answer. All answers from Gary are content, patience, <laughs> humility, recorded, right? like, yard yeah, sale. Yeah. 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 Like uh, Gary says the same shit, right? Like, yeah. He wears that cool hat. He says it. He drops perfect F bombs that people feel like they wish they could duplicate on their podcast, but don't even try. Don't try yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Interesting, but and then we see different people asking the questions, but eventually we see someone our, that we can relate to asking the question. Hundred percent. Now we listen to them. Now we listen to the answer. Now, now we believe it's for me, right? Yeah. Cognitive cognitive bias is a real thing, right? Like I had a right. buddy, my buddy Doug Orr came with me to Podfest last year, and he, like at the end of it, he's just like, "Man, cognitive bias is real." I, I never thought that I would want to have a podcast, but now I see a thousand people with podcasts and I'm like, I should have a podcast too. Right. right. So like yeah. if you see other people that you can relate to echoing with a certain message, it's you're much more likely to believe it for yourself. Yeah. And so instead of fighting that you're embracing it and you're building that into your strategy and, and letting all those different people ask those questions and you Correct. answer it for them. Correct. Powerful, man. Dude. Uh, so good. Are you having fun? How you doing? You I'm in the flow class, state? Man. Just, I want. I want to hear from you, man. What's your What's your key to uh to a great podcast interview? Gosh, you know, I've asked this question a lot, and I've got so many really good answers. Um, I think for me, it's beyond even listening. It's it's asking a question you want to know the answer to, right? I guess people might call that curiosity, but like, like don't ask questions that sound great, are even good for content, but you could give a shit about. Like, don't ask it. Because it's going to burn you out as a host and you're not going to care. And isn't this thing supposed to be fun after all anyways, you know? And and then your guest knows. Like, they, if, if they're just sitting then they're like, okay, I'm just going to say my stuff to get my stuff on your pod. And then we'll go our separate ways and never talk again. But, man, if you get someone like you, like, ah, no, I really want to know. What if no one shows up? You know, like, you know, these are the questions. And sometimes I'll get like, oh, great question. And it's not because I'm a magical question asker. It's just because I really want to know the answer. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell through your energy that you make it you you make people want to answer the question, right? Like whether whether it's a great question or not, like I think a, a lot a lot goes into the energy you transfer to people, right? Like I sure. I I realize that the the more I like I lean in and open up yeah. my eyebrows and and you know like give you reactions like this, the better a conversation goes, right? Like that right? you not I just not good for doing the, that like oh my dude, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Now, you know, this is this is the segment, uh, listener, where you're just imagining us making faces. Yeah, you have to <laughs> okay. imagine. Or go on YouTube yeah. and watch the full thing yeah. or Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, that that goes a long way. Just the energy that you bring into it goes a long way, which I'm sure makes your your show extra special. I also think that, that curiosity is a highly underrated driver of results, right? Like mm. I had Scott K. Walder on my show, and he was like head of um, marketing and community for companies like HubSpot and Intuit and all of this stuff. And I think he talked about Intuit 
they hired based on a curiosity quotient, right? Like they they had a way that they that they measured curiosity as like um as like a talent or a, as as a skill set or whatever, and that's what they were looking for, right? Because mm. I think if you if if curiosity is the driver, you're just gonna get um you're gonna get better results, right? Yeah, and you want to hear the answer, you know, and so and you don't have to train yourself to have good follow ups. Your good follow ups are like, yeah, but what about this thing? And and take me in deeper. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think and good point about energy and all those things combined. Um, I wanted to shift this a little bit. I mm-hmm. can't let you leave the building until we talk about the C word community, right? Yeah. We both love community. You share with us your stories of how you just organically were building the local communities and and there's value for everyone involved. And so they mm-hmm. they came on board. Talk to me about how shows, how these things translate into yeah. communities. You even said earlier, this is amazing. You're saying that the ultimate strategy, it's like the ultimate strategy, the ultimate yeah. value is yeah. a community. Yeah, man. Um, so the community thing really hit me at um I kind of I kind of whizzed through this part, right? Like I just kind of iterated on this strategy. And what I didn't tell you was that my green building company got acquired um, by the by my biggest client, right? Oh yeah. And, and two years after that, the guy that the guy that was the founder of that company, he pieced out because he got acquired, right? Hell and, yeah. Um, and and at that point, I was like, you know, I went from two years to be like, man, I'm director of sustainability for a hospital builder. This is cool. I'm the coolest guy I know. To to um to just like. There's an ivory tower looking down upon us now, and nobody really knows why I'm here or or like I'm a satellite. Yeah. I'm not a I'm not a critical need here. And then two things happened for me, man. Um, one was my brother passed away from pancreatic cancer, and wow. 1,200 people showed up to his funeral. And um, I grew up Catholic, yeah. And I've since I'm a teenager, I've kind of had my like love-hate relationship with the Catholic Dude, uh, preach. Same here. institution, right? Yeah. At that moment, Casey, I looked around and I saw 1,200 people and I'm like, I don't care what I think about the people that built this business and run this thing. These people right here are my community. And they made the last two years that were horrible, much more bearable. And they made making the worst moment of my life right now, you know, like bearable. So I can never leave this. And I don't know when it happened, but it, it was like my my mind just goes to, oh, this is this is churn. This just solved for churn, right? Like this just incle- increased, you know, this is a business, this is a business case for for this stuff. And my reticular activator started really exploring it. And I was like, well, you know, if I buy a Harley Davidson, I can't go get a Honda motorcycle two years later because I'm gonna lose all my friends. Right. So like businesses are doing it. So I started really chasing this thing um eight years ago when this happened. And um, and then the next thing that happened was hold on, hold on just real quick, twelve hundred people. That's a lot of people, man. Dude, it was it was standing room only at one of the biggest cathedrals in Miami. It was incredible, bro. You know, I mean, some people worry that like no one will show up. What would you attribute if you don't mind? Like, what would you attribute? How? What is it about your your bro that like twelve hundred people? I mean, going to going to funerals like it's not fun. And it's yeah. sad, but you usually do it because you respect, you care, or you love for that person. So, like, how do you end up having twelve hundred people? And I'm sure there's many more, but that many actually show up. Yeah, thanks for asking that, man. Because that that the community thing and this lesson is the biggest takeaway that I got that I've been leaning into. Um, everybody that showed up to that funeral that talked to me about them, 
And for years after, man, and I'm talking about for like four years later, I had people coming out of the woodwork on Facebook, showing up to my parents' house. And every single one of them said to me that I had to show up for your brother because Bert was the kind of guy that if I was walking into a room and I knew that he was in it, I knew that I would feel like I belonged. I knew that he'd make sure that I, you know, that I felt comfortable. I know that, you know, like he would bring me into to whatever is happening. And for me, the huge takeaway there was, I don't know if you have older brothers, man, but like he was eight and a half years older than me, right? So oh, wow. old enough and my sister's four in between us, right? Four years older than me and four years younger than him. But he was old enough to me to see him as a, you know, like enough of a peer, but enough distance to really be able to just like judge, right? And for my whole life, I would always say that my brother was the biggest influence in my life. And yet I meant it as like an anti-North star. Like I would look at stuff that he did that I didn't want for myself and be like, perfect. I don't need to learn that lesson. What I never saw was this thing about him, right? Like this thing, this this idea that he is he is seen as a guy that brings people together, who is one of the greatest things that I value in myself always, and that everybody around him saw this and I didn't, and I never gave him credit for this thing, immediately took me down this path of what else am I missing? Yeah. What am I not seeing in my like loser uncle? What, what am I not seeing in that, you know, that person at work that I just think isn't really that talented or isn't that smart or has nothing to offer me. And it led me to this conclusion that the people around us generally have much more valuable to you than you give them credit for. So if you can unlock that piece, right? Like that at the end of the day is the essence of community, right? Is like allowing the people around each other to gain value from each other, right? Like to identify that value. To, uh, to put them in a position where they can serve the other with that value yeah and and, and if you and if you can like lean into that then everybody wins right yeah so so that was the big that's why so many people showed up right and and that was you know that combination of community is the greatest value you can offer other people and and everybody next to me right now, is better at something than I think they are already. And there is something for me to learn from them and something for somebody next to them to learn from them that they didn't know. And this can be like a massive, massive flywheel of like value to give to the world has been the number one, you know, like the force that has shaped my life for the last eight and a half years. Dude, that's powerful. But like what, what an actual North Star that is uh, to give you a direction of where to go. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. He went he went from being my anti-North Star to like now I'm literally just trying to be remembered like my brother. Right. So <laughs> like, know? don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Okay. And this then, is the dude I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been dude, wonderful, man. As you're saying that, it made me think about sometimes I've gotten to that same mode with guests that I have, right? Um, mm-hmm. man, what am I gonna learn from this guy? You know, or this this gal, yeah, is this just another VP of marketing at some, you know, like and you're just like, oh, what am I gonna learn? And then if you could just like hold that off just long enough or somehow ask just a couple you questions. Stay and curious. You're like, right. Stay curious. And then you're like, whoa, that was my favorite episode, you know, or that was, yeah. that was a great conversation. Yeah. Someone that you stick around with, you stick with yeah. um, beyond all the other hundreds of episodes. 
Totally, man. There's a there's this quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson that I really just live by. It's like he says, "In my walks, every man I meet is in somehow my superior, and in that I can learn from them." Right? Like, take that take that to heart, man. You know, like every conversation you get into, there's a golden nugget for you there somewhere. Take some humility to to do that, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But if Ralph Waldo Emerson was humble enough to say that, I'm pretty sure he was smarter than me. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, take a page. I, I thought he he didn't have to be like that, but because he was, we remember his quote. Um, there's plenty of other pompous writers out there, you know, doing their. Yeah, but yeah. everyone. So everyone I meet is my superior. Is that is that what you said? Yeah, it's like it's like in my walks, every man I meet is in some way my superior, and in that I can learn from him. Yeah, it's finding out what is that thing mm-hmm. that they're superior in, uh, and tie it back all into the content planning that we're doing. Maybe even know what they're superior at before you even get on the phone with them, or even get on the Zoom or the meeting yeah. with them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Man. Yeah, you know, so like refining that skill set of like really being able to like find that, find that thing in everybody, is at the core of, at the core of success, right? Like yeah. if you, you know, if 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 everybody you meet in your life you learn something from by the time you're 40 you know a ton of stuff totally <laughs> and totally. by the time you're 70 you know like i mean think about it man it's it's a flywheel right like it's just it's just this way of looking at the world and it and it starts with curiosity um instead of judgment and then mm. and then it and then it goes into the practice and the repetition of how do i take an insight and turn it into like a usable lesson or a usable nugget of value, right? Like whether it is something you can learn from or something you can store in the back of your head so that when you see somebody that can learn from that nugget, be able to offer it to them, right? Like that is, that's networking. And as content creators, that's the opportunity that we have is the ability to have these conversations, save them forever, right? In an audio and video medium, and right. then be able to share it with people that that allow others to to gain value from it. Well, I love to just roll my sleeves and get tactical on you for a second because I I know you know everything and and <laughs> in many ways you are my superior and I can't wait to learn from you. Uh, how how do you as both a networker and a show host find out what they are superior in or? How how do you figure out what that thing is that you want to zero in on in that interview, um, in that, even in that conversation at that at that event? Yeah, I uh, that's a hard one for me to answer, man. That's that's one of those things. Like good, ask, good. Now I know I'm yeah, getting there. <laughs> yeah, you ask you ask like a seven foot left hander how he throws the ball ninety seven miles an hour. I was like, I don't know, man. I just rip it and throw it, I right? Just, like I just I, throw it, man. <laughs> I I I honestly think that that's my superpower, right? Like I I yeah. tell people that my superpower is that I fall in love with everybody I meet. And uh, I'm a great communicator, so I'm a great hype man, right? So like, I don't, I don't know how to break down that idea. What I can tell you is that getting really good at asking open-ended questions and understanding that if you can position questions in a way that the answer isn't a fact, but it's an opinion or a feeling about a priority that they have, then that gives you a string to pull on. Right. So like if you start a conversation with what do you do, it's going to be harder for the next question. But if you start a conversation with what brings you here, then whatever whatever they tell you, you now know something that's a priority to them and you can follow that path. Right. So thinking of questions in that way of is this going to identify a priority? Am I asking them for a fact or am I asking them for an opinion or a feeling? 
um, are, are are things that enable those things to to come to the surface. That's so powerful. I've I've often really thought a lot about asking. I, mean, I love just sort of geeking out on like questions. Like if I ask a who Please. question, I get a person back answer. If I ask a when, I might get a story, a what. Maybe that's yeah. leading toward a fact. Or but mm-hmm. the idea of layering on the idea feeling opinion versus a fact, right? What's your, what's your job? Just so clear cut, but asking these other things, such an opener. I I really do love that. I can't wait to try that out. Thanks, man. Thanks. Um, Listen, I, I I like how you put that, right? Like you ask a who you got a, you got a name, you ask a when you got a story. I think that that's really good too, right? Like I, um, I tend to, I, I don't know if you believe this, right? But I think it's, Early on in my podcasting career, I I would sometimes make the mistake of like calling the podcast something and then never actually like diving into the meat of exactly what the thing I said that was going to be the promise. Yeah. So now I start all my podcast with just like, hey man, we're talking about this. Why is this thing important? Right. So like people like get, you know, get the get that piece. And then instead of the other thing, which people are mostly like, well, let's go back to the beginning and find out who you are, right? Like I ask that and then I ask. All right, tell me tell me about when you figured out that this thing was important, right? So that that allows somebody to give the origin story and build a credibility aspect, but within a container that, you know, that makes it easier for them to like stay within the lines and deliver the value that they promised people to show up for. So, so important that to one, do that. That one thing is real. Yeah, because an unrestricted or unrestrained or a when without guidelines gets you like that 20 minute messy dialogue and everyone's like, I'm out, I'm out. I don't want to know. Correct. People, you want to, you want to, you want to put them in a position to succeed, right? So, like, giving people bumper lanes is a really good way to help them bowl a strike. You know? Yeah, dude, I love those bumper lanes. You know, I'm always <laughs> jealous when the kids get them, and I'm like, who do I got to talk to to get those to pop up for me too? You know? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm more of a two handed bowler, right? Like, I I employ the Hadoken style of uh, of yeah, Sub Zero, Scorpion. Uh, dating ourselves, nobody just yeah, nobody uh, twenty and under knows what that we're talking about. But that's okay. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. It'll let come us back. Know, let us know, nope. friend that's listening right now. Right, that's true. And it'll come back though. They'll re- they'll rehash it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. It all it all comes back. People people know what's people know Street Fighter to Immortal Kombat. They have to. Oh, <laughs> funny story for you, bro. Yeah. So so I was. So Ace Ventura is kind of like was my personality from like fourth grade until last week. And um I uh I was speaking at this, I was speaking at this uh group of financial advisors, right? Like University of Florida just came out with a financial advisor degree. And oh, wow. they hired me, um, they hired me to go like talk to these kids about networking and building their influence. And um loved it. It was an awesome event. I um I have multiple kind of like Ace Ventura stories and the things that I talk about because it's such a big part of my identity. And at the end of the event, the lady that put it on and and the guy that hired me were just like, yo, man, all the kids, like they were, you were their favorite presenter for the whole VIP day. It was really, really cool. Oddly enough, the number one question we got is who is Ace Ventura? <laughs> so, <laughs> so just shows A, that I talk about Ace Ventura way too much and B, uh, I'm not as cool as I thought anymore. And how is that movie not as no, well known? As, yeah, there's so many like that too. Where you're like, what? You wait, you haven't seen that? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sign of the times, but don't worry, there'll be a Ace Ventura 2030. I'm sure 
and then we'll we'll probably hate it too. But you know, we'll see. We'll so see, man. I don't know. I I love physical comedy, and I've never seen a dude do physical comedy with just his face the way that that guy does it, man. It's so great. Um, well, I don't know how I get back to this, but <laughs> uh, well, I do. Fa- favorite Jim Carrey movie for me, Mask. Would you say it's Ace Ventura for you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, actually, yes. actually, I might say it's actually Yes Man. Have you seen that one? Yes, man is the best movie he made since his like first streak. Yeah, right. Like, like I would say, I would say, Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura Two, Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Liar Liar were just like yes. And right. then for a while, it was like yeah, all right. And then Yes Man came out, and that was like okay, still got it. Yeah, still got it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And it was different, right? He went from that sort of like uh, I don't call it slapstick, but like that sort of like very expressive type. Crazy Jim Carrey to like more of that like subtle, um, yeah, you know, yeah. well written Jim Carrey. Yeah, and I, I think he's a really talented dude, right? Like, I think he's a great actor. Yeah, I just like I said, I like I like, you know, you call it expressive. For me, it's physical comedy, man. You know, like yeah, it's physical it's the stuff comedy. that he's doing is physical comedy, and I I just find that stuff timeless, and it and it really goes back to what we were just talking about, right? Like the expressions that you do with your face and the the motions that you do like makes such a big difference. I was. I used to live in, um, I lived in this place in my, where are you from, man? Where do you live? New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. All right, cool. Um, So I lived in, I, I grew up in Miami, right? And I lived at one point in this, like, they have this like art district in Miami that's become really, really cool. And I lived there as it became that. And I had this neighbor in the building that was this like quintessential Italian guy that you just like want to be like, right? Yeah. <laughs> like super hot Italian wife. Um, the guy just seemed like everything was like, you know, like rides a Vespa around <laughs> every, every time, every time I'd see the guy and, and I, you know, like, I, I don't even remember his name, but every time I saw the guy and he'd see me, he'd give me this, like, you know, like, like full on tilt his head back, big smile, high wave, big high and, wave. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, why don't I do that more often? Right. Like I, I still yeah. think about that stuff, right? Like that. The extra energy that you can engage in and infuse into whatever interaction you have with other people comes back to you, right? Like I still remember this dude 10 years later, not knowing his name. I still talk about him in my speeches because adding adding a little bit of extra energy, adding a little bit of extra physicality, extra facial expression yeah. helps, helps the person that you're communicating with. Um, feel validated and it puts them at ease or, 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 you know, like a lot, it puts them in a position to succeed, man. I just think about that stuff all the time. I still get, you know, the image in my mind of just this super friendly guy being like, Hey, you know, what's up? Uh, you, and you, you feel like you're part of the tribe. You feel like you're part yeah. of the community, community back to that. Ah, you're, you're welcomed. You're well welcomed. done, sir. I know I didn't yeah. even try on that one. That sort of happened. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. that was you. you. Must be a professional. Somehow you brought it in there and you didn't even realize it. <laughs> you know what, man? I um, if if you want to get back into the community subject, I'd I'd like to talk about something that I'm that that also ties us together, and it's that you are you're producing this chief evangelist podcast for yep. for for Ethan, right? Um, which shout out I to Ethan, shout out to Ethan Butte on uh, Bomb Bomb, best and, guy ever. Yeah, that, that dude's awesome, right? Um, I love that show, man. I love that you are bringing that into the world because for what I've realized in these last eight years of really trying to solve for this community thing and how you and how you build it. Um, I've realized that there's a couple foundational building blocks, right? And the building block number one is an evangelist. 
And an evangelist that is out there that is obsessed with a problem that is driven by insights and the content creator is block number one in building your community. So I, I'm, I've been really hot on this idea of what an evangelist what an evangelist is and, and what makes them good. And the idea that everybody needs a podcast that wants to be an evangelist to me is a very, very real thing. And if you wanna you if you wanna build a community, you know, it starts there. It starts with how can you interact with as many people as possible, evangelizing the problem, looking for insights on how people mm. perceive this problem, and then creating content that that reflects the insights in relation to the problem. And the content can be everything from a podcast or a, you know, like a social media video to just the next person you talk to. How do you package this thing, right? Like how do you yeah. say it? In a way that in a way that drives a better reaction, in a way that gets them to enlist in in solving for this problem, right? So, wow. um, I think that that's that's really at the foundation, man. So, what you're doing with Ethan to me is a very meta uh, thing that a I love and b is solving for this problem that I'm really passionate about, which is how do we how do we enable people to win with relationships over transactions? How do we enable companies to build communities as moats that will defend them from the digital overlords when it all happens, you know? 100%. And I will say, um, my my involvement in that, I know we produced the show, but I, he's the painter. I'm the guy going, rad painting, dude, and just blowing to try to help the paint dry a little bit faster. Like that, that's all I'm involved with. But he, it is amazing being a part of that journey and just watching. I mean, all the kind of people on the show, they're just absolutely fantastic. So I've literally listened to every episode. So yeah, oh, <laughs> I, I agree. It's so awesome. good. Yeah, well, that explains that one next to all the the downloads for for that shutdown is <laughs> way more than one. Um, I bet. Well, okay, so this is perfect because this tied into I was saying like, how do we get a community started? It sounds like step number one, you need an evangelist. Talk to me about the other steps. What are the different kind of things I need to do to build a community? Yeah, man. So, so to me, like the foundations of it are the the at at level one is an evangelist and a product that delivers on his promise, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if if the product is you, then you just got to be known as a as the person that's gonna like come through when I, when I need you, right? Um, and at that first step, I look at I look at the I look at the KPI of community as word of mouth, right? Okay. So, insights and word of mouth are the are the are the things that that make it happen, right? So. At that first level, when it's one evangelist and a product, then the word of mouth that you're creating is outbound, right? It's like whatever your whatever your evangelist can can make happen is gonna then you know bring this word of mouth. The insights are outbound as well, right? Like you're like they're getting the the, the insights and whatnot, right? The next level is the trickiest level. It's when it goes from one person evangelist to how do you get it. So to go from being Superman to being the Avengers, and you absolutely okay. need to make that happen, right? Wait, wait, wait. Um, what do you mean Su- Superman? I mean, we love Superman and the Avengers, but what do you, oh, more than one superhero? Is that the idea? You need, you need to share the stage, man. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. the, the, like a community, you know, com- community happens when multiple people feel like they have uh, an elevated status within it and own a piece of it, right? Um, community building, th- this is probably, fast forwarding too much, but community building itself is a function of like recognizing people's value and and allowing them to share it to each other. Hell so yeah. it turns into, it turns into basically doling out of status, right? So yeah. it, in any community you see as a guy that grew up in Miami, 
uh, the velvet rope is uh, is a uh, is a major status giver, and then you get into the club, and there's a VIP room, right? And then you get past the VIP room to hang out with the DJ, and then every once in a while you get to guest DJ. You know, like yeah, that's 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 how communities work, right? Like there is these like concentric circles. Um, so, so yeah, how do you go from one evangelist to a team of a team of Avengers? At that point. You need to get real clear about what the mission is and what the core values are, what those bumper lanes are, right? Like this idea of just like how do you know if if I'm evangelizing a problem, okay, that that starts to become a mission, right? We're on a mission yeah. to solve this problem. And we all agree to play by these rules, right? Like if you don't have rules that you agree with, then it gets it gets out of control real quick. And on the product side, right? Like whether the community is the product or the product is a product, it really starts to become about systems and processes that can ensure that you don't start to overpromise right like you got to once it goes beyond that one person that's promising stuff and other people are promising you got to be able to continue to like deliver on the promise that you give or you lose that effort right so that's the tricky right. part of um of systematization and and getting beyond something whether you're a company or or you're you're just going purely for a community and then at that point once you have that part now you have the things that really work at that point, um, insights and word of mouth start to accelerate and become inbound, right? Because now it's not just right. you. Um, and now you're getting insights from other places as well. And then that's when level three is you can really focus on having a crystal clear point of view. So it's not just a mission. It's a point of view about it. This is what this is what the world looks like right now. This is the problem. These are the ramifications of the problem. This is the better way, and this is what it looks like if the better way succeeds, right? Like mm. getting that thing crystal clear that's straight out of category design, right? Like I really, I really believe evangelism, category design, and community are a are a holy triumvirate of the best types of businesses. Um, and then and then from there, you can be you can focus on becoming the watering hole. That's when like the physical community takes place, be it a Facebook group or a mighty network or a slack channel or a, an online show that everybody show up to every community needs that one place that everybody congregates in there's a ritual there's common language and there's roles for certain people at different statuses within that you know and then and then that's when you have the bona fide community for us we use the live show as kind of a driver that does that from you know step 1 all the way to step 3 right cuz first it starts empowering the evangelist yeah then it allows the evangelist to start you know, creating these other, you know, these other superheroes and, um, and creating processes around these superheroes. Um, and then at the end of the day, the show itself becomes the watering hole and the, and the ritual and the place where the common language is shared and stuff like that. Mm, the watering hole, man, it, I, I guess I'm mean, not going to ask you a thousand things, but any thoughts on how podcasts connect to communities and how they help each other out? feed yeah. each other yeah totally man i you know the the podcast is often the tool of the evangelist right like i i you know it's it's the the difference between a podcast and a and the live show right is and is kind of the difference between an audience and a community right like in an audience all the chairs face one way face toward the stage if you can if you can find a way to get the chairs to face each other now it's the community right so like a podcast can turn into a community very much, right? Like it is a very viable tool to build it. 
but in it, it by itself won't be a community, right? Like you can have a podcast that then takes you to a Slack channel. And then within that Slack channel, that's the watering hole and you create some rituals in there, or you can make the live version of your podcast, which you do every week or every other week or once a month to be that forcing function as well. Right. So like, I I think if if it's very neatly as the, the weapon of choice of an evangelist for sure. So good. So good, man. What's next for you? If we talk, if we talk in, we're going to talk before this, but if we talk 50 episodes from now, yeah, either one of your shows, you know, the equivalent of a year, what do you want things to look like? In in one year, um, so this is this is where I'm headed with it. I've been I've built a business around producing these like live shows for people and having it be a done for you service. And then you know from there, I realized there's not a lot of companies that can pay me a hundred thousand dollars a year to do this for them. Um, so this thing isn't going to have the opportunity to really like permeate the market right so sure the next phase was i built this online cohort class that we call the relationship flywheel boot camp where we teach it so that we give oh, everybody cool. our sops and our frameworks and we set them up with their own show and they go off into the ecosystem and now they are gaining insights for us and evangelizing and you know like they've become our our, our superheroes right and we've taught that three times and we've got that really well figured out and we are continuing to build that community kind of like ship 30 for 30 kind of thing um who who do that really really well okay um from there we also realized that there is an opportunity for a done with you kind of thing where we our we changed our onboarding process for creating these shows for people to instead of sitting in a room with you six seven times to like figure out what your show is going to be we go and we interview 10 to 12 of your clients around the things that you think are valuable to them and what you think the customer journey looks like for them and create a whole bunch of content that is really, really usable inside your already existing framework, inside your already existing pipes. And it also ends up informing our show strategy without you having to be in the room for all of it. Right. That's a, that's a triple win right there. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Like that was, that was a huge key to like closing more deals. Cause it's like, you gotta, you've got to figure out speed to win. Right. Yeah. Um, so creating that speed to win was huge. And now what I'm now what I'm leaning towards, right, is we just finally I'm 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 growing up as a businessman, right? Like I yeah. I, uh, I finally yeah, right? I finally created my first lead magnet last week. Ooh. And um, and the lead magnet ended up being much cooler than I thought it would be, right? Like we created this infographic that teaches people our repurposing process on the script. From A to Z, from like, you know, a little bit of strategy of what you want to try to create, what it's going to look like, and then checklist of like, first do this, then do this, then do this, then do this, with clickable links to a playlist that like shows you how to do it. And our COO, who had never created a content clip, she took it and in like 10 minutes, she created a content clip on her own just based on that thing, right? And what that, what that showed me was that if we can create these really... Fancy, cool-looking infographics that, in and of itself, can be a course, can be its own like little mini course that's tied to something. Right. That now becomes a really, really great, you know, like seeds that I can throw everywhere. And mm. I've I probably have like five or six things that, um, how to evangelize is something that I can, you know, like how do I how do I grow influence and whatever is something how to create speaking points and hook points 
um, is another thing that I got, how to get on more podcasts, right? Like I have a bunch of different things within the formation of an evangelist that I can create into that. Um, and I love these ideas of right now giving those things out for free, but then turning them into like $20, $50, $100 mini courses that people are just like, oh yeah, this dude sounds smart. I'm going to spend 20 bucks to hundred like, percent kind of yeah. like buying his book, you yeah, know, sign me up. Here's my credit. Yeah. Card. Yeah. So, so once I set up that infrastructure, I'm going to move into, um, not doing this thing for people, right? Like I've got, I've got one client. Uh, JWB, who's my first client, that's the most advanced community that we've built. That I'm the host of their show, the Not Your Average Investor Show. Yeah, I wanna, I, I wanna start being, you know, like being their full on evangelist because I love that company and what they do. Being my full on evangelist, right? So they just become like one big done for you client. Um, but I'm still, you know, a contractor to them. Continue doing that for myself. Really push the 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 cohort and the boot camp so more people learn to do this for themselves and create as many of these mini courses so that you learn the foundational skills before you even need to get to the big dance as like an easy entry point and then do you know six to twelve of these like content activations the thing that launched the show and then get you going right like do do some of these you know like six to twelve of these a year that sure. then your staff is supported by all these little mini courses of just like all right now for you to execute week to week you just go to this thing and I'm I, what I'm trying to say essentially is that I'm gonna go full ham at evangelizing instead of trying to build a big business. Yeah. Um because I I really to me that's my skill set and I and I believe that I can do more good in the world by like figuring out how to enable myself to be doing this, like go on the speaking tour and on more podcasts and, and then teach this cohort class three, four times a year while servicing this client at the highest level, which allows me to keep my fingers in the dirt of the thing that the things that move the needle um, and form that as a way to really, really, really grow the movement around relationships over transactions. Yeah. That's it, man. Relationships over transactions. Well, dude, how can we get some of these things? How, where do we go? Where, you know, op spill the tea, pour it out. Let us have yeah, it. Man. We want all and the man, juice. If you, if you go to be the stage dot live, um, within probably before you release this episode, we're going to have that lead magnet up and ready, man. So that's, that's going to be doable for you. Um, our next online cohort is February 28th. So if anybody wants to go through that six week process and learn all everything that we know how to do and take all of our formulas and SOPs and be able to build your own little business out of it. Um, would love to, would love to have people join that thing. Um, and beyond that, find me on LinkedIn, man. I'm all, yeah. I'm all over it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got a couple thousand followers. You need more, sir. We need to get more people following you. Let's go. Sure, man. I, uh, I appreciate that. I think, I think more people need to be following you too, man. And, and honestly, um, if you've if you've gotten this far and you're like listening to me and Casey chop it up and I think it's pretty obvious that Casey's awesome at this and he puts a lot of love into this thing. He told he told me that this was his pet project, right? This is not what drives revenue for him. So hook up Casey and go to whatever you're listening on and put a review to the show. Like you don't have to write anything; just hit five stars so that you help him out. If you're if you're nice enough, write a review. And yeah. if you're really a cool person send uh send one of your favorite episodes that you've listened to to, to somebody because that's the way that this stuff works man i think i think people got to support you man i think you're doing a great job hell yeah i appreciate that you know and for that review um i'm accepting sexy host you know i'll take it uh, and or best best 
looking guests, you know, or guests are the smartest I've ever heard in my life. You know? Yeah, you are you are pleasantly better looking than you sound. If you haven't if you haven't gone to YouTube to see how good looking Casey is, I mean, I think you should. I'm get surprised, off the, man. Get off thought, the audio and go. I thought this was video. a radio show. You, you can see me. Wait, this camera's on. Oh no. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for coming on here, schooling me, everyone else, talking through us about vectors and pillars and the steps we got to take community, the idea of going live. I mean, you've inspired me in so many ways. So I just really appreciate your time here. Appreciate it, man. Listen, I um, thank you for, thank you for pulling the story of my brother out of me, man. Like I really, uh, I really appreciate you sharing your stage with me. And I, I kind of, I don't get to tell that story on every podcast and, and, you know, it's kind of like I getting to do it, makes sure that his legacy lives on and, and it really, what's his name? Uh, Bert. Umberto, Umberto Gonzalez. Umberto. You can call him Bert. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, man. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, man. And I'm pumped for I'm pumped for our friendship, man. Hell hell yeah, me too, man. This is this is the first of many of these ridiculous, awesome experiences where we're just behind the scenes, guys, we're just canceling calls off right. Hey, move move my four o'clock. Sorry, whoever the four o'clock is, if you're listening to this. Get that me was a you. sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're just, this is the start of a great thing. I can't wait to work with you. And so for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back. Look at um, that. And I got to show them so people don't think I'm just completely full of it. But I learned so much. So if you, like me, learned a lot, Share this with one person, three people, 9,000 people, whatever. But that's thought leadership, getting good information in other people's hands. And with that, Mysterioso, gracias, Mysterioso. sir. I Thank appreciate you. it. You're the man. <laughs> You're the man, ringmaster. All right. Well, everyone, that has been, and this has been another crazy cool episode of Creating the Greatest Show. I will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short, and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour. That which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum. <laughs>